You're listening to The Goop Podcast, made possible by our friends at Blue Diamond. We're big snackers around the Goop office. You know the drill. Three o'clock rolls around and you find yourself reaching for whatever is convenient in striking distance. Last resort snacking, as it turns out, usually isn't all that satisfying, which is why we decided to give our snack drawers a makeover and stock them with Blue Diamond whole natural almonds. I go for handfuls before meetings, usually multiple handfuls, but between the fats and minerals and Blue Diamond's non-pareil supreme almonds, they're significantly healthier than popping candy throughout the day, and they actually tide me over until dinner time. Head over to goop.com for some recipes made with Blue Diamond whole natural almonds. Hi guys, it's Elise Lunan, Goop's chief content officer. Every week on the Goop podcast, GP or I sit down with provocative thinkers and culture changers. We talk about shifting old paradigms and starting new conversations. If you tune in regularly, you know that we normally drop episodes on Thursdays. And thank you, by the way, for listening every week. But over the next few Tuesdays, we're releasing three special episodes. They are all conversations that went down on our panel stage at our last InGoop Health Summit in Vancouver. InGoop Health is designed to be a transformative experience based on the premise that slight shifts and small changes can add up. And for this and much more, Vancouver was one of my favorite InGoop Health events yet. Today's episode may or may not be timed perfectly for Election Day. It's an interesting and ultimately uplifting conversation about angst and anxiety. I moderated this panel, which had three of my favorite people on it. The first person you'll hear me talking with is psychotherapist and psychological astrologer Jennifer Freed. Sessions with her are wholly unique because they are both grounded in the stars and fate and what is available to you. And also, it's really good talk therapy. I met Jennifer years ago, and she kind of changed my life. Here's Jennifer talking about the value of the feminine in connection. That should be equally as important as the to-do list because we devalue, which, which is essentially feminine, relatedness, connectedness, empathy. This is what we're geniuses at. The second person you'll hear from today is Dr. Ellen Vora. She's a board-certified psychiatrist who was classically trained at Columbia and now runs a holistic-minded practice, often looking for alternatives to conventional meds. I've known Ellen for 20 years. We went to college together. She says some of the most profound things, like this line about surrendering control. I heard it said once, um, don't worry, nothing's under control. (laughs) It's the opposite (laughs) of what we think would make us not worry. Last but not least, of course, you'll hear the lone male voice, which is the wonderful Dr. Andrew Kirkland. He has more than two decades of experience as a chiropractor in London and his hometown of Montreal, working with patients on pain management. He's long been curious about how the body holds stress, and he now focuses on the body's endocannabinoid system, and he has his own line of CBD topicals called Dr. Kirkland Therapeutics. I got to ask him about a lot of this, including the potential significances of our own endocannabinoid system. I had my eyes open tremendously to the fact that we have this endocannabinoid system, which is extremely complex. It's in your gut, it's in your nervous system, it's throughout your body. And it was really only discovered in the last 25 years. Okay, let's jump into the conversation, starting with Jennifer Freed and me. Let's start with you. Okay. So I like doing this with you because it's very reassuring, but we're at, particularly in the United States, and I know there are a lot of Americans in the room, but I feel like it's 
probably true throughout North America, feels like we're in a constant state of high alert, anxiety, hypervigilance. And I think for empathic people, it's very problematic. So what's your, like, what is your perspective on it from, like, a astrological and spiritual point of view and, a, and the practical part? Okay, let me try to lay it out for all of us. We have been in a period for the last five years, collectively, of accelerated transformation. And there's two energies that are constantly working inside of us and outside of us, which is the will toward liberation and the highest good, and the will toward tyranny and power over. And at the intersection of that is all of our sensitive, fragile beings hoping for the best, but sometimes feeling when we look outside of us that we have no say and have no control. Mm. What we're really being asked to do, which we're doing here in this extraordinary place, is every single person knowing you matter, you are the future, and your voices and your hands and your hearts are the essential ingredients to the future we want to create. That's beautiful. This Swami said to me, he was like, anxiety is fear, concern for the future, and depression is rumination over the past. I don't know if that's how you would define it, but in your practice, like, where are you seeing more anxiety, more depression, both? What's happening? Yeah, plenty of both, and they travel together often. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm biased because I see people who come into a psychiatrist's office, but I get the sense that it's just everyone is so damn anxious right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And um, so it's definitely, it's both. Mm-hmm. It's depression and anxiety. What, and what are the, like, I, when I experience anxiety, I have physical symptoms, of course, you can't really treat the physical symptoms because it's anxiety. But what, like, what do you, what's in your toolkit? Yeah, you can treat the physical symptoms. So I think a lot Zanax? of anxiety. That, mm, <laughs> <laughs> show of hands, you're in trouble with me. So um, when I think about anxiety with patients, when they walk in the door to my office, I'm always thinking about it as both physiologic, it gets physical, and then it is to some degree psycho-spiritual as well. And I usually start with the physical. That's the low-hanging fruit. And you can get someone feeling a lot better just getting their body out of getting into too many... We get into a stress response too readily. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that go into that. A big one that's under the radar is blood sugar. Mm. And so if anybody has ever experienced feeling hangry, I think you can also feel anxiety. (laughs) I think that you can get where we're all on a blood sugar roller coaster because our diet is based on a bedrock of refined carbohydrates and sugar and wine. And so there's the blood sugar roller coaster and every dip in blood sugar, you can feel anxious. Uh, Caffeine Mm. plays a role. Nobody likes having that conversation with me. I'm Mm -hmm. Captain No Fun about that. (laughs) Uh, So many Captain No Funs today. Yes. (laughs) Social media puts us in a stress response. We'll talk about that. But that's the physical part. And then psycho-spiritually, I think there are just so many ways that I think women in particular were just feeling under so much pressure and have very little, we think we have very little license to just feel acceptance for how we are and Mm -hmm. to feel like I matter, people listen to me, Mm -hmm. I'm valuable. 
And so I think it's all of these pressures on people. I think there's so much unprocessed grief. Like we all just keep moving through our lives. People don't stop and process and, and get to make space for the human experience, which is really intense sometimes. Mm -hmm. No, particularly in those moments when you feel like you have no control. Yeah. yeah. Control is a theme in anxiety. It is, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's come back to that. So yeah. Dr. Kirkland, in terms of how you see it physically, we were talking a bit about like where it gets trapped in the body. Like what, what's going on? I think there were some good comments in the nutritional talk previously that uh, <clears throat> you know, prehistorically we were designed to be active and to be moving and foraging and, and hunting. And that's not what we do in modern times, but yet our bodies are still programmed to react that way. Mm -hmm. So we're very good at short-term stresses. We can react very well. And in fact, that's part of what we need to survive. You need some good stress and you need some bad stress and your body adapts accordingly. But modern days is a lot of low-grade chronic stress, which our body just doesn't cope with very well. So I would see the physical component where you're, you're creating a, you know, a cortisol release, your muscle tension is higher in a mm -hmm. higher state than it should be, your digestive system is slowed, and your sleep is disturbed, and that creates this pattern of, of physical effect. And I actually, in practice for quite a while, you know, I would see people and I would see physical symptoms and I was perhaps a little slow to, to make a connection to, to the fact that most people arriving for physical symptoms, uh, it was rooted in stress. And I would say, in fact, 80% of people I would see, uh, stress was the underlying cause of their musculoskeletal issue, whether mm -hmm. it was a back pain or neck or, or jaw or migraine or, or whatnot, right? So, so you, can, uh, you can address the physical component, but it would be very important to also address the, uh, you know, we talk about the root cause of why someone is under stress uh, in the first place. So let's talk about control. And you, I like talking to you because you like to take walk me right to the edge and tell <laughs> me to look over. But what are, like, what do you, like, for example, I was talking to Jennifer now a while, like a year and a half ago about Korea. And I was like, we're going to, what if there's nuclear annihilation? And she was like, what if? Like, you should just go there. And I was like, we're all going to, I'm going to die. I'm going to die with my kids. And she was like, and, and that in itself, maybe that's like a beautiful moment, which is weird, but I understand your point. <laughs> Can you, is that, like, do you recommend that people sort of like play out the stress fantasy or the anxiety fantasy? Well, here's what I honestly believe, and you were saying this. It's really about acceptance. So each of us have a lot of fear, and we are sensitive, and we're in reaction to everyone else's fear. Anxiety is contagious. Mm -hmm. So our real responsibility, if we want to be calm, is not to solve the future threat that we're imagining, but to be present. Mm -hmm. So everybody take a moment right now, and yes, just be present to what you're experiencing in your body. We are physical beings having a spiritual experience. So when we actually tune into the moment and take a deeper breath, that's the biggest antidote to fear. Because anxiety is about something that hasn't happened, but we keep running it through the mind as if it will happen. And so it's about presence. And so when you said about my worst fear, and I said, so go with that, because that's what's in the moment. And then you actually went, well, I guess that's okay, and then that's okay, because we have no control. 
Have you noticed? <laughs> no matter what our fantasies are, we have no control. So it's about surrendering to the moment, doing the best we can. Presence. Yeah. I entirely agree. I think I heard it said once, um, don't worry, nothing's under control. <laughs> you know, it's the opposite <laughs> of what we think would make us not worry. But it's actually very liberating if you can really step into it and feel good about it, is that um, it's a little bit of a trust. It's a surrender. It's basically we think we're supposed to go around through our lives white-knuckling and controlling everything and preparing and anticipating and being vigilant. And I think that if you start to just give yourself permission to kind of say, something force greater beyond me is taking me on a ride, like you're flowing down a river, mm -hmm. and a little bit of like strap on your seatbelt and go with it, and mm -hmm. it will not always be easy. And it can be challenging, but you don't necessarily have to resist or strong arm where it's taking you, you flow with it. Mm -hmm. And nothing's like under control throughout that. Yeah. yeah. And do you feel like women are uniquely disadvantaged in that because of our not to say like over responsibility but I do feel like no offense, no offense. you seem very responsible <laughs> but um, that there is that holding that do you, do you feel like there's is there more anxiety in your female segment than your male segment yeah and I'm at a point where I almost don't even treat men anymore because I think I'm not the right person for them <laughs> I'm like I'm going to be a bad doctor for you because I get women I don't know disadvantage something about that word didn't sit right with me I think that it's a different struggle but we're under an immense amount of pressure we're mm -hmm. really particularly scrutinized I mean, I think about even just women having babies, right? It's like we're the ones that are supposed to be like thin, 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 but then we also build babies in our bodies yeah. and then nurse them from our bodies and yet still under that pressure to kind of bounce back, whereas men can kind of just be like, Rah, you know, go through their whole lives mm -hmm. like that and, and never under that same scrutiny. You want to add Yeah, that? I want to add that a meditation teacher said this way to me, that we all have our list to do every day, and she said, but what we don't do as women, which is actually what we're, we're built for, is go at the end of the day and say, how many relationships did you attend to? Mm -hmm. That should be equally as important as the to-do list because we devalue, which, which is essentially feminine, relatedness, connectedness, empathy. This is what we're geniuses at. But the patriarchal culture has devalued that and said, no, consumption, goal setting, some yeah. future gold ring. That doesn't make us happy. What truly makes us happy as women is loving. Mm. That's our best asset. Mm. And the world certainly needs it. Mm -hmm. In a way, women aren't even disadvantaged or advantaged. Yeah. <laughs> I do, I do think Follow guys that. have it easy. Follow that. Yeah. I do think guys have it easy. And I, and I think I look at my, my father and my father-in-law, and they were so much less involved in family and kids mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. house and everything that uh, you know, I think things have changed. But I do think uh, we do have an easier role. You do. And you're celebrated. Let's not make, we won't make this an attack <laughs> on you, but I feel, I've noticed this with my, in my own relationship that my, my husband is celebrated for being an amazing father, whereas, because he shows up and like, he's a great dad. But I am definitely not celebrated because I kind of do the minimum of what you see most mothers do, but it's yeah. still a little bit more than him. Again, um, but it's true. And I watch everyone's like, you're amazing. 
Like, that is so cute that you go to the store with your children. I think my wife has made that observation as well. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very universal. So in your practice, Mm -hmm. how does does anxiety, how does it differentiate? Like, how does it show up for men? How does it show up for women? Is it different? Uh, I don't think it is, actually. I think the the response would be the same. Um, I, I think many people wouldn't recognize stress or anxiety as the the root cause of what they were experiencing, mm-hmm. and so they think they have a physical ailment because of something physical. And, and perhaps that would be one of the differences that mm-hmm. the uh, a woman would be more in tune with with what was going on in the bigger picture, whereas the guy might, you know, might be just focused on I have a sore back. Right. Right. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think there could be a difference uh, there. That makes sense. Um, so let's talk. We were talking backstage about, and I, but I do want to come back to this. We were talking about the endocannabinoid system. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it, like, it's a thing, and it was <laughs> it's a thing. And it's Big like, thing. A, yeah. Yeah. Can you explain what it is? I, I'll, I'll explain it in context. That um, being in practice for for 20 years and seeing musculoskeletal issues uh, in Canada with the the new federal regulations for cannabis um, last week, but really medical cannabis over the last few years, I'd have many patients coming in asking me questions. How can this help me? You know, I hear about pain, I hear about arthritis, I, I hear about cancer and uh, anti-nausea and so many things, and I just didn't feel equipped to be able to answer any of those questions. So I went off and studied, attended conferences, and I had my eyes open tremendously to the fact that we have this endocannabinoid system, which is extremely complex. It's in your gut, it's in your nervous system, it's throughout your body. And it was really only discovered in the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. So think of what other system in your body hasn't been (laughs) known for 100 years, 200, however many years, right? So I was on a panel a little while ago where one of the medical doctors said they should really be teaching this system at med school to everybody because it has such a huge impact on our well-being. Uh, And so we can describe this system as an overall regulator. So it helps regulate immune response, it helps regulate digestion, it helps regulate mood, helps regulate sleep. And so when you think of treatment and how you can help yourself, if you can impact something at that level, you're going to have tremendous effect throughout your your Mm well-being. And that that was in tune with with me as a, a chiropractor and being more... Um, you know, having taken a natural approach and least invasive possible, you know, that was always uh, what I saw in my philosophy. And I also was always very active and enjoyed uh, activity moving around. So, so the, the idea that you have this system that's regulating everything and you have this potential to influence it, mm-hmm. um, and it turns out that it's influenced by cannabinoids. And you find cannabinoids in plant, in this cannabis plant or, or hemp uh, plant, but yet your body actually makes uh, cannabinoids. It makes endocannabinoids. So it's already, it's already making these little molecules that help to coordinate nervous system and digestive system and, and all these different factors. So, so I was amazed that I'd never learned about the system before. I was amazed that here's this natural plant with low toxicity and so many different cannabinoids in it that have a potential to impact us as, as humans. And I had, like I said, I had my eyes wide open to, to this new field and thought it was my responsibility as a health professional to learn about it and to be able to share that information. And is it just coincidence that it's the endocannabinoid? Like, why is it? <laughs> why is it called endocannabinoid yeah. system? 
So oh, it, it, yeah. it, it's really been known for, let's say, let's call it 30 years. And so the scientist in Israel who, was, who decided one day that nobody knows why cannabis gets you high. What, what is the molecule that does that? So he undertook some research and mm. discovered THC, the molecule. Mm. And then he went on to study how does THC interact with your brain. And so he started to find these receptors. And then he studied another molecule called um, cannabidiol, CBD. And he found receptors that respond to CBD. And then he started to see these receptors throughout the body. And so it, for him, it was this big aha moment. This has to be something. There's no reason your body has these receptors everywhere and it's all communicating and you know, your body's not going to do that for, for no reason, right? So, so the, uh, the fact that you have these external plant molecules that have an impact internally, that's where some of the language comes from. Mm -hmm. So cannabinoid and endo means internally. So mm -hmm. your, your body has this endocannabinoid system. And so this ancient plant medicine, I'm kind of obsessed with psychedelics. I'm not, I mean, not personally, I don't do them, but I'm interested in them. Uh -huh. um, That's right. <laughs> sure. But um, I should caveat that. But in, like, obviously this is gaining a huge amount of momentum in Canada, in the States, not only cannabis, but sort of this resurgence and research around psychedelics, psilocybin, anxiety, obsessive disorders, depression. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of healing potential with them. I don't think it's for every person, every time in life, um, but I think that there's interesting research happening with psilocybin, that's the active ingredient in mushrooms, and they're taking someone who has a terminal diagnosis of cancer, and basically a few guided psilocybin sessions, and then they have less, I think it's the way they defined it, is like less angst around death. Mm -hmm. um, this is at Johns Hopkins, right? That, that research that I know oh, is at NYU, NYU, but they're doing yeah. a lot at Johns Hopkins too. I think of it with my patients. I don't usually say like, okay, you know, today I'm prescribing you, you know, a little ayahuasca. gut healing and ayahuasca, yeah. but it comes up in conversation. And if someone mm -hmm. is coming to it on their own, I will sometimes sort of give that my blessing, especially with anxiety disorders, you can find that you're just stuck in a loop. Mm -hmm. And it's like the brain gets sort of rigid and on this groove where it's just ruminating or there's obsessions. And mm -hmm. I think one thing that all these antheogens or psychedelics can do is control alt-delete on the brain. You know, it really can reboot and reset things. And so it's kind of, I think... Um, What's his name who just came out with the book, How to Change Your Mind? Yeah, Michael um, Pollan's book. Michael Pollan, yeah, my hero. So he describes it as like there's a fresh coat of powdery snow mm -hmm. rather than like grooves laid in. Mm -hmm. So now you're skiing on just like total fresh snow. And I'm not a skier, but I think that sounds like a good thing. So um, I find that my patients who come to these medicines on their own, they do get a little bit of a reset and they're not so trapped into the same mental patterns. Interesting. And then is the idea that like you, you get the powder and then you can make new tracks yes, that are obsessive exactly. or is it generally <laughs> breaking them? You can bring consciousness to how you want to say, here's what I'm going to be focused on. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, there's a real opportunity. You get a lot of mileage out of processing the experience and talking about, you know, mm -hmm. how do we want to set an intention for what are you focused on? What gives you fulfillment in your life? How can we build contentment? You look really excited. Well, <laughs> because I think you're making a great point, and I have personally done some of these psychedelics. <gasps> I'll admit it. <laughs> and, 
And he, this is the caveat I want to say. These are mind, soul expanding opportunities that shouldn't be unmediated. They should be guided. And also, the most important thing I found is that they shouldn't be done recreationally mm -hmm. because it kind of then deletes the real potency of consciousness awakening because it's not really taken as a sacred art. But if you do it as a sacred art, and this is the fresh snow thing, you then follow it up with really changing your behavior, not just your mindset, but actually acting as if this new fresh powdered snow is how you want to live, then you have maximum benefit. But I've seen far too many people do this as another Mm -hmm. explosion of experience, but not integrated, and so it's mm -hmm. what I call smash and grow, mm -hmm. which doesn't lead to continuous, consistent growth. Mm -hmm. So being sort of in this world, not that world, but the CBD world mm -hmm. and THC, <laughs> what do you think is the right application? Is it periodic? Do you... Wow. Actually, uh, I struggled with that as a chiropractor initially because we, we do take this approach where you want to be non-invasive and you know, I don't prescribe and I was never keen on hearing patients you know, on nine medications. And so I think you know, to, to switch from a pharmaceutical medication to taking CBD or THC, to me, is, you know, it is more natural, but I think you still have to get to, mm -hmm. the, to the root of what's, uh, what's taking place. Um, but it is a natural plant, mm -hmm. and I think that's, uh, that's a good way to go. So I think you, the best thing really, and, and this is my message these days, is that this, this endocannabinoid system is so new that you should really learn about it and commit to learning and researching and seeing what you can find. There's been so much stigma and misinformation, lack of research because research was not allowed, you couldn't touch the plant. So, so inform yourself about it, see what the potential is, mm -hmm. and, and speak to someone, speak to a health professional who understands and has information and, and can guide you and figure mm -hmm. out what works well. Because as you said, it's not, it's not a panacea that's gonna work for everything for everybody mm -hmm. every mm -hmm. single time. And you're, there's actually talk of your endocannabinoid system having a, a certain amount of homeostasis to itself. And so not everybody's in the same state. Not everybody can take you know, 10 milligrams and have the exact effect. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and it's quite an individual thing. So you, you would have to, um, you know, get advice and test and see what works best for yourself. We'll come back to the conversation in just a minute. Skin care. Two little words that get a lot of airtime here at Goop. Our passion runs deep. So deep, we created our own line of powerful, non-toxic skin care, published a book called Goop Clean Beauty, and just launched a drinkable collagen powder. So yes, we're mindful about what we put on our bodies, but we're equally tuned in to what we're feeding them. And for better or worse, what I eat inevitably seems to show up on my skin. Which is where delicious superfoods like blue diamonds, whole natural almonds can come in. An easy source of skin-friendly vitamin E, along with minerals and fiber, this is a snack that can help keep skin looking and feeling good. And it doesn't hurt that Blue Diamond's non-pareil Supreme Almonds are addictively snackable and satisfying. You can blend them right into smoothie bowls. I pack them for midday pick-me-ups when I'm traveling. And in the Goop test kitchen, the team uses them when they're cooking too. Visit goop.com to get the full recipes our editors whipped up with Blue Diamond Whole Natural Almonds. Okay, 
back to the conversation. We're picking up with Dr. Ellen Vora. Do you feel like plant med- like stuff like this is just looking for something to take and that we need to figure it out ourselves or is it somewhere in the middle? Like mm-hmm. I always wonder like how much agency do we need? figuring it out ourselves, and then when do we need something? Yeah, that's a great question. So nuanced feelings on that. Like, I love CBD oil, and I think, and even other plant medicines, Mm -hmm. THC and ayahuasca and mushrooms, I think it all has a role. Sometimes I think what happens is we are also culturally conditioned to think a pill for an ill. Yeah. That um, what happens is then we just sort of go into, like, a green pharmacy. It's like a bizarro world where you're still in that same mindset of something's wrong with me, I'm broken, I need a thing. But then you're like, oh, conventional pharmaceuticals are no good, but let me go over here and take rhodiola and ashwagandha and you know, CBD oil. And it's all good stuff, but I still want someone to kind of break free from that mindset. Mm-hmm. So those are nice to have. I think that they can be added in in a really beautiful mm-hmm. therapeutic way. But I still want someone to feel empowered, like they're not broken, um, and then to recognize that there is a certain amount of diet lifestyle modifications that are usually helpful for building in. Not so much that it just sort of drives us crazy. I think that that's that's like an occupational hazard in the wellness space is like orthorexia and sort of Mm -hmm. becoming obsessive about all these things. And then people are afraid of food and not getting joy from their lives, saying no to going out to dinner with friends. You know, that's when we've gone too far. But a certain amount of being conscious about how we feed ourselves and what time we go to bed is helpful. So I want to break someone out of the mindset. Yeah. So I want to say, as a psychologist, I don't prescribe but I've certainly seen patients over 30 years, and what I can tell you is, if somebody's done every single thing in their power to be well, nutrition, exercise, meditation, you know, all of it, and they still suffer from deep depression and they've done therapy, I do think pharmaceuticals have a very big value. Mm -hmm. They've saved people's lives, they've made them able to function. I think too often, though, the pharmaceuticals have a huge investment in all of us thinking we're not okay. So they're overprescribed, and people aren't really being encouraged to do the real work mm-hmm. of being a whole person. Mm-hmm. And so, but I don't want people to think that are here that are taking antidepressants or anti-anxiety, like throw them away. Yeah. But just try to add in all the things that actually make us feel happy and well that don't cost anything. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned when it's a first line of defense right? or, or a first action step, uh, the mm-hmm. prescription. I think you've got to take a step back. And life shouldn't be about instant gratification every time. And, and you mm-hmm. should be able to take a look at other aspects of health and, and wellness and make sure you're covering those. Mm-hmm. But as you say, that's, that's also not going to solve issues for everybody. So... Right. And how, so anxiety, it's like, can it best be defined as like pattern and pattern thinking and obsessive thoughts and obsessive ways of holding your body? Is that, is that, what is it? (laughs) I've like thrown out the the sort of diagnostic statistical manual at this point. (laughs) When someone comes into my office and they're like, I'm anxious, I'm like, well, 
done. Like, to me, that's all I really need to know. If someone is perceiving themselves, is experiencing themselves as anxious, that's anxiety. And there's so many different flavors of it, but it doesn't totally change my management. Um, you can be OCD, it can be PTSD, it can be panic disorder, it can be agoraphobia, it can just be generalized anxiety. It, it's all kind of, a, you know, cousins, and it, all of it is suffering, and I want to help people heal from it. Let's talk about like a panic disorder or just low-grade anxiety. Like, how do you? How is it? Just talking about it? Huh? <laughs> what? No. Yeah. No. It goes far beyond just talking about it. Going back to like physical and psycho-spiritual. I'll always start with physical. Someone who's panicking, who is now the panic is sort of snowballing in their lives. At first, mm-hmm. it was just this one situation that was traumatic, and now they're panicking. And I practice in New York on the subway is a common one. If you go to a concert and you're in a crowd um, at work, leaving the apartment, it gets bad. I think that I really start with physiology. I want to get their blood sugar stable. And that can look like as easy, like a hack of just kind of handful of nuts that you snack on at regular intervals throughout mm-hmm. the day, um, maybe a spoonful of coconut oil before bed, things like that. That's the hack. The definitive solution is rehabilitating your diet to real food, nutrient-dense food, non-inflammatory, and basically ditching the sugar and the refined carbohydrates and alcohol, which you know kind of behaves like sugar. And caffeine. And the caffeine. And, um, and that's harder, you know, and I'd never paint that with a rosy tinted lens. Like, I think it's super difficult to make these changes. I live this and I find it challenging. And mm-hmm. um, so I work with people really slowly on that process. But that alone eradicates a lot of anxiety. It's just stable blood sugar and getting off of foods that are inflaming their bodies. And why is that? Is it because they're in a more even frame of mind so that the, they're less held by anxious thoughts or is there like a deeper connection? I think it's the stress response. So basically our body, we are all capable of getting tripped into a stress response Mm -hmm. and we all know what that feels like. Like if a super loud noise went off in the room right now, right, we would all like start and you'd feel the adrenaline coming out of your adrenals and you'd be stressed. And that should be reserved for those occasions when something truly stressful and potentially threatening is happening we're all going into that stress response much too readily. So I think our physiology is kind of like, it's sort of ready for a fight. And a a dip in blood sugar, the body actually experiences that as a stress because it's kind of like the original human stress of like, where am I going to get my food? Mm. And so when your blood sugar is crashing, your body responds with a stress response that communicates to your liver, break down the storage of starch so that you survive, but you just had a stress response and you feel anxious. Mm. So I think it's really, it's like kind of pure and simple physiology mm-hmm. more than like more loftier things. Jennifer, let's talk briefly about sort of empathy and empathic people. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time I met you, I was probably having a stress response because <laughs> you're talking about my life. But you were like, it's not, you're fine. Yeah. It's not you. Yeah. But I tend to hold a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Can you explain that? Well, how many people in the room think of yourselves as highly sensitive people? (laughs) You know, Dr. Kirkland. Yeah. (laughs) So what happens is we all co-regulate one another. We know we're still a lot animals, so our animal bodies respond to whatever we are around. So if you're a highly sensitive person and you have such an extremely exquisite, important job, 
You are filtering everyone else's feelings all the time. You're like the great water container that each person's dropping a bit of their own issues into, and you don't have a filter big enough to keep flushing out all those impurities. So when you're a highly sensitive person, you absolutely have to have time to be alone and recharge. So when I spoke to you, you know, you have taken on this enormous role as the facilitator of all things good for women and men. (laughs) And with that comes a tremendous impact. And then your job to keep being a great vessel is impeccable self-care so that you can keep recycling this energy and keeping it good inside yourself because you're not doing us any favors if you're running all of our difficult energy through you. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would say it. So how do you, what's the way for all of the empathic sponges in this room to get it off? You, you know, I'd be interested to hear what you say, but this is me, and I've been doing this a long time. I'm super, super sensitive. So I have practices I do every day that nobody gets in the way of. So I meditate, I do qigong, I write poetry, I exercise every day. These are non-negotiables for me. Because in order for me to run all this energy, I actually have to have a cleansing on a daily basis of my psyche, my soul, and my spirit. So everybody has to figure that out for themselves, but you can't actually just go run, 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 run when you're highly sensitive and expect that you're not going to be completely worn and torn down. Mm -hmm. So you have to have certain things that nobody gets in the way of that then actually replenish you with divine energy. I feel like I, when I take five minutes to meditate, I am absolutely imbued with divine energy, and it really can set me for the next few hours. I think a big mm. one in modern time is downtime from screens as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, so man, we, how much time do you guys have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you get to the end of your day, and you're yeah. ready to relax, and right. you still have your screen in front of you, and you're still interacting, and you've got the light stimulation and everything, so I think that's... Yeah. a it's a tough challenge for everybody, and I think it's getting tougher with younger generations with, yeah. with the exposure they have. Another yeah. caption, no fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think one other thing with the sensitivity, I couldn't agree more with both of those practices. I also think it is helpful to, to feel a little bit, like to recognize it as also a gift oh, to yeah. be sensitive. So it certainly makes us vulnerable, and we get overwhelmed, and we absorb everyone's whack energy. But you kind of get to be more intuitive. You get to be more attuned to other people's needs. You get to be more sensitive in every sense of that word, and it's a really beautiful way to navigate life. So it's not all a bad thing. We do have to protect ourselves. Impeccable self-care is a good term. I loved talking with these three at InGoop Health and wish you all could have been there for the tapping exercise Jennifer Free took us through live after our panel. If you're interested, check out Laurel Purnell tapping in. And in any case, I hope hearing from Jennifer, Ellen, and Andrew today helps a bit with your stress load, as I know it has with mine. I encourage you to check out their work and see more on goop.com slash the podcast. I'll be back on the podcast for regularly scheduled programming on Thursday, and then you can listen to our second special in Goop Health episode next Tuesday. We so appreciate you listening, and we always want to know what you think. Please rate, review, and share with your friends. And just tap subscribe if you want to keep up with new episodes. 